Hello and welcome to episode 42 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm always happy to get on here and record something for you. I am running a little late. I was out of town on a mini vacation, which was great. I'm not due back to work until tomorrow, but it's that whole re-entry after vacation, which is always difficult for me. It takes me a minute to get my feet under me. I did have the chance while I was away on vacation. Um, members of my family were shopping, and I am actually a terrible shopper. I have no shopping stamina, and shopping's really simple for me. Either there's something I want or not. Yes, no. The store either has it or not. Yes, no. And when I get there, it's either a price I like or not. Yes, no. So I'm a very fast shopper. I don't really look to the left or the right. That is, unless I'm in a bee store. <laughs> That's another story entirely. But uh, so I had the chance to sit over in the area, which I call the husband chairs, <laughs> and um, looked at my phone. I was delighted to find there a review on Apple Podcasts from Fro Taylor of Great Britain um, about the podcast and who was just saying thank you and said Lee's location in North Carolina is different from my London environment and climate but the principles are easily translated. That was thrilled to hear that because I can see um, on the podcast stats that there are listeners in the UK and um, Canada and even Australia and that's really fun to me so if you're listening from any of these places that are far away from North Carolina please drop me a line sometime I am on Facebook at Five Apple Farm Bees Honey and More had to stop and think about that and also I want to send out a thank you this morning to the new patrons over at patreon.com it's patreon.com slash five apple and that's Patricia Harness, Jennifer Blaylock, Blaine Nay, Will Chin, and Bruce Hunt. Those are the new patrons for November. I appreciate it so much. The contributions you make go to paying to host the podcast online. And if there is any money left over, I will put it directly back in the B project and share with you whatever I do or discover or discover works or doesn't work. Hopefully, mostly, mostly things will work. That's keep my fingers crossed. In the interview last week with Megan Milbreth, she mentioned that this was the that time of the year when you're still fresh on all the things that happened this season. I don't know about you, but I literally have a list of like notes to self, um, things to do again, things to make sure not to do again, and I would love to hear what what some of the things you learned this season in your bee yard are and if you plan to make changes or try new things this year 2019 was my my theme for the apiary was to try out some new queen lines and I think I've told you before I tried out several queen lines um, the real test of course is now in winter seeing how they do but I tried out some queens from New River Bees up in West Virginia and from Sam Comfort who keeps bees in upstate New York and Virginia and Florida from what I understand. Also some excellent bees from Stevens Bee Company 
who is in the Missouri Ozarks. All of these bees look pretty interesting. Um, the New River honeybees and the ones from Stevens Bee Company, I ordered Virgin Queens and I think from now on that's what I will order from um, Queen Rearers unless there's something really special because to me the great thing about it is you get to see that first cross right away with your own bees which is what I'm uh, interested in. Now for mated queens I will probably start using those in uh, the mated queens that I like after testing them using those in drone yards. But anyway that's a different subject. Today I wanted to talk to you about the bee barn the bee shed. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I have a little storage shed that I negotiated with my spouse for at least one wall of that storage shed. It's just a plain, it's not insulated, it's just a wooden shed. It's a nice size and in a nice spot, a kind of semi-protected um, out of the wind spot. And I, and I say semi and if this bee shed works out I'm definitely going to do some more windbreak plantings to make it even more um, sheltered. But this bee barn is for an experiment to attempt to overwinter nucleus colonies, little baby hives, in a smaller format than I can successfully overwinter out in the weather. Um, here in the mountains, our cold temperatures are not that cold compared to many of you listeners, especially up in the Midwest and um, my gosh, you folks up in Canada. The cold temperatures here are brief, um, but what I believe causes our bees a lot of challenge in the mid-Atlantic area and the um, higher elevations of the Appalachians where I am is the temperature swings. And I know the folks in the Midwest face this too. Um, it can be 70 in the day. It literally did this the other day. It was 70 and then 24 hours later it was 13. This is a real challenge for um, small hives. I mean it's challenging enough for, for big hives. And what I have found is the problem is if the small hives, and let me just say when I say small I'm talking about young hives not weak hives because ideally unless I've missed something then any weak hives I have if they're end of summer and just looking kind of puny um, like they're not handling things then I have probably requeened them because it is true the whole take your losses in the fall um, that thing that I resisted from my mentor for many years it is true okay you were right <laughs> um, I don't really try to baby weak hives through the winter. To me, if they're weak, they have um, unfortunately voted themselves off the island of the project and I'm going to be requeening and hoping for a strong colony. But I do have little young baby colonies that are, and these are late summer splits. Late summer splits or late summer queens that I have um, had in the mating nukes and then I'm growing them out but because they were so late summer um, they haven't gotten to a size that can live outside. For me here in my particular microclimate I've found that um, two boxes, I use eight frame mediums, so two boxes of bees that are nice and heavy and full of bees they can, they can make it through the winter outside 
if they're good healthy bees and um, so that size now I might put some insulation on them that's just how I'm in the mood my risk tolerance of that year but they tend to do very well I have to watch them because it is the small format they can't have as much honey in there as the bigger hives and so late in the winter they are very much on my keep an eye on list for running out of food and um, so that's their main danger but usually that's a young hive they're strong and um, that size has wintered successful successfully for me here at 3,000 feet in a in a high wind zone even though my bee yard is out of the wind um, but anything smaller than that and I've tried this many a time poor little sad bees who were the landing party of the experiments they just don't seem to to do it um, what I've noticed is usually they're trying to cover their small amount of brood and then when you get those drops down the, you know the 60 degree drops in a day they just can't pull themselves together enough to get in that tight cluster and in theory possibly survive so that really limits me because um, two, two medium eight frame boxes of bees that's the same volume as a, as a deep five frame nuke no, let me correct that. That's not true. So let me correct that. Back up. One eight-frame medium box has about the same volume as one five-frame deep nucleus box. So two of the mediums, that's like a double nucleus. And in the deep boxes, because they're kind of taller and skinnier, I don't doubt that I could probably pretty easily if if I use the deep configuration overwinter two of them side by side in the the resource hive configuration like Michael Palmer and like my friend Mark Smith uh, uses I believe those would probably winter well that tall that the tall skinny configuration if they're ganged together I believe it seems to me holds the heat or just whatever they need to survive better but because I don't use boxes, I haven't had the same luck with putting um, two double nukes, if you will, of eight frames uh, together. Because that's a, a shorter, wider configuration, it just it doesn't seem to overwinter quite as well. So I've I've been looking for a way without getting into the poly boxes, the the polystyrene insulated boxes. I have heard from folks in cooler colder climate than me that those little polystyrene boxes really work well and I like them I have one that I'm gonna play with I haven't painted it yet to play with it but I, I the thing I don't like about them is that to expand that box I can't use any of the equipment I already have I would have to instead buy more polystyrene stuff and one thing that I learned from I believe well both my mentor who was who studied Michael Bush and from the Michael Bush website is if you can settle on a configuration where all your boxes are the same it's particularly if you just have a few hives it is just gonna make things so much easier now the one thing I have finally <laughs> given up that I am gonna have two different sizes of boxes are nucleus size or five frame boxes the five frame boxes and I have heard this to be true of the deep also but in the medium when you're I use them as mating nucleus 
nuclei, <laughs> I guess that's it. Um, you can, when you're raising queens, go to the mini mating nukes, which again is a different frame size. I just don't want to get in that. You know, almost all my frames are uh, mediums. I want to stick to that because being able to rotate frames in and out of every box or in and out of every nuke has been invaluable to me. If you're just starting out, I'd strongly urge you to consider picking one size box and frame and sticking with it. Mediums are usually the most practical because if you get into all deeps, you're going to get into a weight issue. And you young, strong fellows, just think you won't always be that young and strong or you just might not want to lift that kind of weight to take care of your back. So um, take it from an old nurse. <laughs> this is really true. Keep that weight lifting. Do it carefully. One of my favorite podcasters, Stuart Spinks, bless his heart, he is suffering from a back injury right now, and um, it's just so easy to strain your back. I mean, you guys know this. Okay, anyway, so I've wanted to stay with a consistent same size, and I am sticking with the mediums for now. That's going to change when I go to the long langs, but anyway, for now, I'm in mediums, and um, and the five-frame little five frame nucleus boxes for the mediums they make a great size mating nuke I mean I can in the summer when it's nice and warm I can easily just put one frame of bees and one frame of stores in one of those and kinda of tuck it up over next to the side and it works great as a mating nuke I can either fill the rest of the space with uh, foundation if I wanted to or a feeder um, I don't put a ton of drawn comb in there if there's not a lot of bees to protect it but I have just found that little uh, keeping the box carefully sized cozy if you will you know just cozy around the bees making the the those two things match each other really seems to have an effect on the the health and I want to say the morale of the bees and I know this is a slippery slope here but you can just tell when bees have traction they they just have traction they're just going and then you can tell bees that it, are a little overwhelmed um, that are stressed and whether you look in that in terms of you know being relaxed and not relaxed or whatever uh, just to my eye I can see a different and I, I'm sure you can too so the small boxes have really worked well so this is a long wraparound to say that my um, attempt to, to overwinter nukes which is valuable to me in in multiple ways one is to replace any losses I have over the winter. Two is to be able to sell nucleus colonies. Um, I really want to get to where I can provide that to beekeepers in my local club in particular. And if I overwinter the two medium boxes full of bees, I mean, it comes out a rip-roaring hive in the spring. Um, and so if I'm going to pull a nuke out of that, for one thing, it's hard because I have a rip-roaring hive. And who wants to break that down, you know, by taking the core out of it and, and selling a five-frame nuke? Now, I can and I have, but anyway, it, the the... The resources, the resource use just doesn't feel right. So I have had um, some climate envy of the folks just down the hill from me, you know, just even over in Charlotte area. They can overwinter a much smaller configuration than I can. And I wanted a way to achieve that without going to like some super insulated box kind of thing. So my eye fell upon the bee shed. 
Now, I first got this idea um, from a blog that I love. It's a Scottish beekeeper called The Apiarist, and that is an excellent blog. He is a bee researcher by day and a beekeeper by night. That's just my kind of fellow. If I ever get super lucky, I'll get to interview him. Um, but they have a bee shed in their operation. Now, it is not for overwintering little nukes. It is for, because of their research things, they have to be able to get in hives no matter the weather. And um, our weather here in the high Appalachians is actually quite similar to some of the weather in Scotland. And um, so that's what they use theirs for. But it gave me the idea of, you know, would a, a shed, uh, let me get back up, their shed, the bees are free flying. And by that, I mean they have a tube or an entrance to the outside and they come and go just like in a normal hive, you know, depending on the weather they come and go. Um, this is to distinguish it from the bee sheds used uh, particularly up in Canada, but sometimes I think up in the Dakotas they use these too, and that is where you close up a hive completely and you put it in a climate controlled warehouse or shed um, and they are dark, the, uh, the, they have to be, I don't know what you would call it, kind of oxygen control because there's so many hives in one building. There's a lot of stuff. The big commercial beekeepers up in the far, far north sometimes will overwinter their hives this way. And basically the bees are locked up for the duration of the winter. And you can do that if the control of if the temperature is is in a very uh, precise range that keeps the bees, um, <laughs> you know, kind of sedated in their cluster um, and never varies and also keeps it dark. Uh, and they just have one giant long arctic night and then they wake up and it's, it's spring so that I have seen that used but this is not what I'm talking about here I'm talking about a free-flying um, colony of bees which in my case are the little nucleus colonies so I had been talking in my uh, club with some folks who have been trying this one is a master beekeeper Rick a former president of our club and he kind of accidentally did this. He ended up with some very small, nu you know, summer nukes that were just no way going to um, winter outside. He's up, uh, <laughs> he's up in a cold zone of my county too. And so just for grins, he decided to stick them in a, uh, a shed that he used to raise rabbits in. And he made them little free-flying nucleus colonies. Uh, he did put some insulation on the front of his shed, and then the colonies were inside. Well, he had absolutely wonderful winter survival among these shed nukes. And um, he has had some trouble with uh, overwintering small colonies like I have. So he told us at the club, wow, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this bee shed thing. And of course, I was infected with the desire to have a bee shed. And um, when I looked at our little storage shed, it did require some family negotiation because there was a bunch of weird farm stuff stored in there. But I was able to uh, kind of relocate some stuff and then um, better organize some other stuff. So I got a wall. I chose the east-facing wall. It does not have a window um, on it. And um, the wind doesn't blow on that side. The wind comes very distinctly from our north and northwest um, angle. So the east side of the shed is where the little entrances are. I had my very small um, nucleus colonies. Some are um, 
I would say probably five frames of bees, and again these are mediums, so they're not so five frames of bees in a in an eight frame medium, and then I had some that were five over five, so there's ten medium frames of bees in there, um, and my goal had been oh, oh the primrose path of good intentions, right? Um, my goal had been to order some new nucleus boxes. Um, get them all arranged so that on this B shelf that I made, and I just made it the height of a normal stand, which I may amend that because that turns out in a shed is really low to the ground. But um, I had this vision of these nice orderly five over five or just five single, but probably five over five medium boxes, you know, lined up on this shelf. I get quite a few of them in there. And then they had their they'd have their little entrances to the outside, and on the outside of the shed, I would have something distinctive at each entrance, um, like this. And on the Scottish blog, the apiarist there, they have um, some signboard cut into these little landing boards, and each one has a different design on it, so that the bees can better uh, find their um, their hole to go back in their hive again because you know the wall of the shed looks all the same and to reduce drifting I'm sure there will be some drifting but like those um, Slovenian hives those beautiful Slovenian hives that are housed in a shed now they stay in a shed all the time the with the entrances facing to the outside and each panel is painted in a folk style uh, unique to their region they're just beautiful if you want to do a search on Slovenian beehives are just gorgeous and they're worked from the back not the top and that's a whole nother topic I wish so much um, that well anyway uh, that's a whole nother hive configuration I'm really trying to stay consistent with those so that I can focus more on tweaking the bees <laughs> rather than tweaking my um, hive management so anyway but I did not get around to that I have the nuke boxes but they are not built they're not painted they're not customized so that they can go in a bee shed um, so I just worked with what I had which was all different kinds of um, and, and let me just tell you I, I did some a lot of internal cussing and some external cussing because what it was is they were in a random assortment of single mediums on and even on different brands of um, bottom boards so what this meant was when I put them on a shelf a level shelf in the bee barn you know they the entrances were at slightly different heights I had already had a challenge of unlike the nucleus boxes that I'm going to you know that will be designed to go in the shed um, which I'm I plan to um, I, I haven't exactly figured this out but some type of entrance that can just push up against the shed wall and that the bee shed in the apiarist I think the national hives that they use at least the ones they have the front seems to be flat um, which so they made a kind of a little box uh, thing on the side of the shed and you could just push the hive right up to the box and then the, it has a hole in it and they have an entrance but my bottom boards of course have the the kind of lip landing board that sticks out which meant that I can't press them just up against the side of the shed without doing some um, you know trick riding carpentry that's that's beyond me to get that and I could have done it anyway because I have different kinds of bottom boards that I've accumulated and they're slightly different heights <laughs> so um, and of course I was doing this all under the gun because I knew the 
10 degree night and the 13 degree night with high winds was coming and I needed to get these little bees in the barn. I had relocated them to a friend's uh, blessedly level yard and uh, so they their GPS was reset. I brought them back to the farm. I put pictures of uh, bringing them back to the farm on the Patreon page and now I discover that my entrances which I had all I had made ready to snap on the front of the thing they didn't all fit because the heights of the bottom boards were different so oh this was this was irritating you know time is running <laughs> and I'm out there it's raining I'm kind of walking back and forth to the shed from the the kind of covered area where I was cutting the wood to the shed it was a big mess but um anyway and that's that's one of those things you know when you when you know your spouse loves you because uh there was some gravel put down so I wouldn't slide down the muddy slope um that was very helpful when you're carrying hive when you're carrying bee colonies in your arms anyway um I rigged up a solution that I'm not at all happy with I had a bunch of leftover sump pump tube from the observation hive which is going great by the way um so I had all this sump pump tubing because I only needed about a foot and a half of it for the observation hive and the smallest roll I don't know it's like 20 foot you know it was a nine dollar roll and I so I had all this tubing left over so I ended up rigging up um, kind of a, a board with a hole cut in it that the tubing would fit into kind of um, and then I just made a hole in the side of the shed and the tubing connects those two things I'm not happy with it. The tubing, for crying out loud, is really stiff. I mean, it's plastic and, in theory, you know, flexible, right? But it's also extremely stiff to the point that when I hooked it up to some of the little hives, it would literally push the whole nucleus colony backwards on the bench. And so I had to go out and get some bricks and put them on top of little colonies inside a shed which looks pretty funny it's not that there's any wind in there but that to give them the weight to not be pushed backward on the shelf by this dang uh, tubing which is not what I want to do on the real version I well anyway I hope to use PEX tubing um, I saw this on a YouTube video of a fella okay and this is really getting way out there who he was overwintering his nukes in a trailer so it was like an insulated trailer the kind you would pull behind um, a truck that's totally closed in like uh, it's almost like the kind people haul a sports car in or something and he had made shelves I mean he had I don't know you know 50 or 60 nucleus colonies and then he had run pieces of PEX tubing uh, to the um, to the side of a, a nuke box that didn't have any other opening and then um, out the side of the trailer now had some concerns with his setup because it was his first year tried to because on the outside of that shed all those tubes looked identical and there was nothing to distinguish one tube the, to the other so I think you'll probably get a lot of drifting that way and um, but anyway we'll see how he works out but the PEX tubing is nice if you have the right size spade bit <laughs> so the day I'm desperately doing all this I find out that the spade bit that I have for my drill is not the right size for the PEX tube that I have. And since I'm like 20 miles from a hardware store, uh, this was not a good thing. So that's why I had to fall back and use the awful sump pump tubing. And oh, it just irritates me to do something that I know I'm going to have to do again later. <laughs> but this is one of those cases. So anyway, um, 
I, I do want to use the pex that that just slides out the hole, and there's no um, you know flex. I mean, there's some a little flex to it, but uh, but mostly it's just a, a clean pipe out the hole. That's what it's eventually going to be once you know. But there's many steps between now and then. The good news is that the little nucleus colonies are tucked into that shed, and they are flying. I went. We had that last bit of warm day. I was able to make sure that they could get in and out of their tubes, um, and they were flying and reorienting. Uh, some of them. There wasn't a ton because it was a pretty chilly day. Um, so, and I didn't have anything else to distinguish the entrances, but I had some old car tags that we're going to use for an art project on a fence. And so I borrowed some of these car tags and um, alternated each hole has a different old car tag above it. Um, well, so every other. So I wanted, you know, one to have a car tag and then one not to have a car tag. And I put just little geometric shapes in duct tape on those. And then the next one has a car tag, which is kind of fun. I'll put a picture of that on uh, Patreon. But just know I'm not done. This is not the final setup. But they, that first night, oh my gosh, the first night, they're all in there. It is literally 10 degrees we're getting pelted with sleet and the wind is howling and just to know that my little hives were in there was such uh, oh it was such a relief <laughs> like Megan Milbert said on the last podcast you know so much there's so much psychological stuff and for the beekeeper in in beekeeping if you're that type of person um, and I just loved it that even though um, you know they're not heated in there now, in theory, if we had a, a real horrible stretch of polar vortex coming, I could probably put some type of little, you know, fire safe uh, space heater uh, out there. Um, but I but I don't plan to. Um, I, I do have their their top. I always call them lids. I know I'm going to do that on here. I probably have. But, you know, the outer cover, uh, they're all they all have foam board uh, insulating foam board under those and the one the little nuke that's on the windward side of the shed I actually put some uh, side insulation on them because they they're on this the end that does get the wind but just to know they had that double envelope of protection of the shed and then their their hive box was such a delighted thing it's just I just like to go out there and see them lined up on their little shelf and I hope they're snug in there. I have not had the chance because it has been, well I've been out of town for one, but it, it also has been too chilly to really um, do any inspections. I did feel of them. There was one that was way too light and the day I put them in there, even though it was cold, I did open them up enough to yank an empty frame out and slide a frame of honey that I had in the freezer. I had pre-thawed it um, for robin hooding um, through the winter as needed. And that, uh, so then they were of a similar weight to the rest of them. Now here's the sad part of the story. Well, I hope it's not sad, but it, it could potentially be sad. There were two little nukes that because of the boxes that they were in, um, they were in a, a queen castle and then another kind of odd uh, box. I didn't get them over to my friend's house to reorient their GPS in time. Um, I did get them over there and I was trying, I, I, I was hoping it was enough time, but every day was cold and so I knew they, there were no flight days for them to actually go outside the colony to then reorient 
reset the GPS enough for then when I bring them back to the farm that they would go to their new shed versus going back up to the orchard where they had been. So I wrote um, beekeeper friend Brian, who is going to be on the podcast soon. Y'all are going to love that. Brian Fisher, uh, master beekeeper here in North Carolina. Uh, I wrote him and said, what do you think the absolute least amount of time to reorient their GPS would be? And he he told me he wasn't sure about the exact length of time that, of course, you know, it probably had more to do with whether they got to come out and reorient to that spot, um, which they didn't get to do. So I just thought long and hard, and I thought it would be more horrible to see them come out of their hive and go back up to the now blank orchard where there are no hives um, if I didn't, you know, if I hadn't reoriented them long enough. So those two little nukes, I went over to my friend's yard again, you know, the day before the the cold is coming, and I just insulated the heck out of them. I mean, they do have an upper, a little tiny upper air vent, so hopefully that worked. But I put, um, I just set, you know, I set their little boxes on um, foam insulation. I put it on the sides. I put it on the top. I tried to just insulate the heck out of them because they were going to, these little tiny baby hives were going to be out in a field. Um, oh, anyway, uh, so I don't know if those made it. I have, I just got back. We don't actually have many flying weather days coming up for a bit so it's going to be a a minute before I can get over there and find out if the extra insulation got them through that night now the good news was there were only two bitter awful nights and then it warmed up to just you know cold enough to keep them in but not cold enough to really do them in and um, we'll see if those little little ones made it if they did They've been, you know, then as soon as we, um, I think they had some flying days when I was out of town. I'll check with some beekeeper friends to make sure. And if that's the case, then um, as soon as I get a chance, I probably can get them over, get get them here and get them in the barn. going to have to figure out where to put them because the ones I have, because they're not that more upright, you know, five over five configuration that I want to go to, uh, these guys again are in, you know, they're in eight frames mediums, and um, I'm gonna have to figure out where to put them in the barn. I either have to make a second shelf, or I have to annex a little part of another wall that I really haven't negotiated for yet. So I'll see which of those seem to be the most promising avenue, <laughs> and um, and go with that. So I'm going to wrap it up. I have managed to chat your ears off for over 30 minutes just on the bee barn. Again, just to clarify, the bee barn is for little baby young colonies, not for weak colonies, because I think that would kind of defeat the purpose. If you have a colony that's weak, there's a reason why they're weak. And if it's just because they're young um, and they were a small split and haven't had time to grow, that's one thing. But if it's because they're weak from uh, mites or disease or any other thing, then that's not what I have in mind. I'm not trying to baby any weak hives um, through the winter. Uh, I probably, hopefully, if I've got my ducks in a row, I have culled those already and replaced those queens with stronger queens and gotten them or combined hives or whatever it takes to get the hive strong enough to go through winter. There is a article that um, I believe I've shared it on the Patreon page. If not, I will shortly. That... Uh, and I think I shared it on the Facebook page. But anyway, it, it's it's talking about some research that there is strictly 
a, a size, and I've said this before, there's simply a size cluster of bees that can make it through a winter in your area, and it's pretty fixed. And if the, the bees are uh, healthy and they have that size of cluster and you have carefully managed their food or feed them emergency feed if it didn't work out, um, then they're probably going to get through. If they're below that size due to the regular die-off through winter, um, they're simply not going to make it even if they're healthy. If they're unhealthy, then they're going to have a higher than normal die-off and they're, they'll just die earlier than, than the others. Um, so that's a pretty interesting article and I will put that on the list of articles to read to you. Through the winter I'll probably do some more reading to you since there's not there won't be much to report on in my actual yard but um, I will be reading you some articles to hopefully get you excited about next year. I would love to hear from you guys. Um, I really enjoy hearing what people's goals are for 2020. So please uh, send me, you can post on the Facebook page, Five Apple Farm Bees Honey and More, or send me a message over there. If you don't do the Facebook thing, which I don't blame you, I have real mixed feelings about that, <laughs> um, then you're welcome to email me at blueridge714 at gmail.com. And for the patrons on the Patreon page, uh, one of the things I want to uh, give you in appreciation for supporting the podcast is just um, access. I have it set up to where I actually get a notification on Patreon if you've posted a comment uh, or a question on a post there. I really appreciate people who um, have decided to become farm crew at Patreon. There's no pressure. If that's difficult for you, I don't want you to even worry about it um, because there are generous people over on Patreon who are really helping out. Um, in particular, I want to say thank you to Michael in South Carolina. Uh, your help is so appreciated. With that, I'll wrap this up. I'll talk to you again in a week. I think I will do an article for you in a week because I'm going to be recording some interviews. One is with a beekeeper in the far north and one is with a North Carolina beekeeper. That's at least, I hope that will all work out. And over the next couple months, I'll be getting those together for you. Have a wonderful week and write me and let me know what's going on. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, I forgot to say one thing. I will put up the show notes for this, and I'm going to put some pictures of these uh, bee sheds that I mentioned. I'll put those up on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash fiveapple. And, of course, the show notes are available to everyone. Okay, really, it's really bye-bye now. Bye.